ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. Joining me now, it's been too long, former Raging Cajun wide receiver, former Sports Center top 10 play getter, former teammate of Aaron Rodgers. These are all facts. These are all facts. Uh, my friend uh, James Butler, former education wide receiver, now a um, state trooper. Yes, sir. So, what is that? Is that the proper title? Just state trooper, or is it a specific, like? No, nah, it's a state trooper. Umbrella of the of the couple of former education, a couple of your teammates are troopers as well, right? Yeah, uh, Trey Grandier, he's a state trooper. Um, I think that's it. Actually, I think it's just me and him. Now, you guys are cousins, right? Right. And Elijah McGuire's y'all's cousin, too? Right. You still talk to Eli? Barely. You know, he's a superstar now, so I don't really get a chance to talk to him. He's got a much. Super Bowl ring. Yeah, you know, so I got to set an appointment to talk to him. <laughs> you know, you know how that is. Eli, see, I, I remember covering you guys in college, and, like, Elijah, you were always, you were always like, I'm going to have some fun with the media. Like, turn on the camera, let's go. Right. You're like, turn on the mic, I'm ready. Right. Eli was not like that, man. He'd start sweating. He'd be like, I don't I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, you were older than him. But his last game, it was occasions lost in a bowl game to Southern Miss. Him and Otha Peters, and I don't remember who the other player was. Might have been Anthony Jennings. I'm not sure. They come out, it's like 1 in the morning because the game lasted forever. And Eli just gets on the mic, and he's like, I, uh, I'm not going to be answering any questions. And that was it. What? <laughs> because he he because he, he was done. Like his eligibility was done, and he knew he knew like that the team couldn't tell him anything. And he got so uncomfortable talking to the media just because I don't. I guess he's shy, and he was just like, I uh, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna be answering any questions tonight. That was it, and we didn't ask him any questions. So you think that was because of his nervousness? Or you I think, think I think he was just tired. He I don't think Eli ever like not. Like, I don't think that, for that matter, Trey Regis, who just finished, I don't know that Trey enjoyed talking to the media, but I don't think he, like, hated it. Like, it was right. just part of the just part of the job, right? right? It was part of it, and Trey's a good guy, and I'm, I'm rooting for him in Vegas. But, um, like, Eli, I think, really just didn't like the process. And I remember the first time I interviewed with him, interviewed him because we couldn't talk to true freshmen. So it was media day. I'm sure we talked to you that day. It was media day his sophomore year, so... All the requests were from the media were like, we'd like to talk to Elijah McGuire. He had a big freshman year and hadn't really talked to him, you know, on camera or on the mic. And so we had, we as in the station, we were his first interview. And, like, he was, he did okay, but he started sweating. And I was like, what's something about you people might not know? He's like, that I, I don't really like this. I'm shy. I don't like talking <laughs> to the camera. Oh yeah. But you're, you, you seem surprised. You don't think he's shy. Um, well, when he first came to UL, he was definitely more quiet. So your story, I, I can... But I, I think towards the end, he kind of opened up a little bit, right? I mean, he didn't. He still was he, well, nervous? He, he was better at it because he had done it so many times. Okay. I just don't think okay. he ever really liked it, you know? Yeah. Well, so I once mean, he got his first chance where he didn't have to do it, he's like, I'm not going to take any questions. I mean, his, his his freshman year, he barely talked to me. You know, he was so nervous. And y'all are kin. Yeah. He wouldn't even talk to you. I mean, I, like I said, I got to take an appointment to talk to him. James now, so. Butler, our guest, you know. ESPN 1420. James, um, former Green Bay Packer, but you're a Saints fan. Of course. You, uh, you you got into camp with the Packers after playing at UL. You told me the story about how Aaron Rodgers gave you a ride. And his, who was he driving, a truck? Like a Silverado or something like that. 
See, that's a good sign when the quarterback's driving like a truck. Agreed? Oh, yeah. If he had told you to get in like a small little sports car, would you have been like, I don't know, man? I don't know. I I wasn't (laughs) even thinking like that. Like, I was kind of like, wow, like Aaron Rodgers, I'm really in the car. I'm I'm really about to go to practice. Like, I wasn't even thinking. But, yeah, it was just a regular Chevrolet Silverado. What are your thoughts on this whole Aaron Rodgers situation? I think Green Bay is wrong. I'll be honest. Green Bay is wrong. And you're looking at, I don't, maybe you don't agree. <laughs> I'm just listening. Maybe man. you don't agree, but I think Green Bay is definitely wrong. Because cool. how do you, okay, the guy brought Green Bay to an NFC championship game. Now, you might, but the average listener can't name another Green Bay receiver besides Devontae Adams. I feel as though if they would have drafted Maybe Justin Jefferson. Maybe some of these other receivers that came up. Maybe they would have beat Tampa Bay this year. But instead, they trade up to get a quarterback. That's kind of a shot in the face, in my opinion. Who started as the third stringer? He hey. couldn't even. He couldn't even. He couldn't even be the backup. But the I, the backup quarterback, I forgot his name. He's been there for a while. Though. Yeah. So I can understand that. But to trade up <laughs> and grab a quarterback. So Aaron Rodgers, in the great fashion that he is, he goes back, has an MVP season, goes back to the NFC Championship game. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. There seems to be – I've always thought of Aaron as being kind of like – I mean, he – if you get in – I'll I'll use the word stubborn, right? Okay. Like, there might be someone in your life. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your mom, your dad, sibling, friend, teammate, whatever – where you know that no matter what, in this argument, they're never going to let it go. So you seem like a reasonable guy, James. You probably are just like, you know what, it's not a big deal. I'm just going just gonna to walk away from this thing. Okay. Well, Rodgers, this dude does not – he's not walking away. He, he is estranged from his family because of whatever I – don't, I don't know anything you know, deep about his right. personal life. My point is if you can't look past stuff with them and you're going to stand on your ground that much – what are you going to do with an organization that at this point is just trying to call his bluff? Like, he's not going to show up to minicamp. When training camp comes, they can start finding him more and more, but he'll just be like, okay, fine. Like, he's, he doesn't seem like the kind of player that if you give him an ultimatum of show up to camp or we're finding you, we're not trading you, that he'll just be like, okay. Like, he does not strike me as that. This guy's estranged from his family. Like so, there's so something you're saying to he's that. Gonna hold, so you're saying even if they do say we're not letting you go, he's still not going to show up. Uh, yeah, unless they unless they do something that he wants. Now, I don't think a, the NFL is not at a point where players can dictate fire the GM. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And even in the NBA, they're not at a point of fire the GM. Now, they are, there is enough player empowerment in the NBA where a star player could get a coach fired or or coaching change. We've seen that. Um but not, we don't see that in the NFL. We've never seen it. So you got an MVP that wants the GM fired that makes fun of him all the time. And you know how it is, James. If players start saying something, if you have a coach and like a star player that everyone looks up to or a key mm-hmm. player or a leader, if that, if that player has that coach's back, y'all are going to follow, right? Right. If that player is making fun of the coach and text threads, if that player is – constantly doubting the coach or saying bad things about him. A lot of that, the teammates on that team, they're going to, they're going to side with the player and be like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like the leader of the team kind of dictates in a lot of ways, the leaders of the team rather will dictate 
how that locker room views a coaching staff or a coach. Now, it's up to the coach to also earn that respect. I get that there's that part of it. But when your best player is just publicly ripping the organization and the general manager all the time, you can't expect all the players to suddenly be like, yeah, this is cool. Like, they're mm-hmm. all going to side with Aaron. It seems like every player in Green mm-hmm. Bay, you have former players that are ripping Rodgers. But as far as the guys currently in Green Bay, if any of them, all the ones that have spoken out about it, they're like, yeah, we're with Aaron on this. Okay, so basically what you're saying is Aaron's at fault. Oh, I I, I don't know if I'm saying he's at fault. I think... But I'm, I'm, I'm asking because... Do I don't you, think a player should. I don't think a player should get to decide like who a team drafts or anything like that. I don't think a player should have that in the NFL. I don't think a play. I don't think that's. I don't think a player should have that. But from his standpoint, you're literally a piece away from going to the Super Bowl. So but you draft up in the first round to grab a quarterback. Oh, I get why he's upset. That doesn't make sense to me. Oh, it doesn't. I get why he's okay, upset. Okay, so imagine, imagine. The year, the, the no call. Boy, that's a different because we knew Drew Brees was on his way out, so I can't I can't make that comparison. But imagine that, though. Okay, let's say Jameis is in year t- like year 10 with the Saints. He's, what, 26 now, 27? Yeah. So he'll be about 37, which now, based on what Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers is doing, you still have a good five, six years left. So imagine if... James brings us to the NFC Championship game and we lose to, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to put that out there, but imagine if, you know, that happens and then the Saints goes and says, okay, well, we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. It'd be weird. And we like, what is going on? We just need one more piece, maybe a defensive piece. Not the first round. I could see if we took a quarterback in the fourth, the fifth, yeah. maybe. Well, you took him in the, you took him when you're, you have an MVP quarterback that's 35 and is still, still seen to be in a bit of his prime. And you're you're desperately need a receiver. It was dumb. It was absurd. And but James, we've up. seen te- we've seen teams make dumb decisions a lot. We haven't seen players or quarterbacks be like, okay, that's it. I'm out. Like my point is this: I think there's. I don't think it's just that. I think there's there's probably more to this story that we just don't know. But that's that's blatant, though. That's I, I feel like that's blatantly disrespectful for real. <laughs> how like, you gonna do out. that? Like how you how you gonna do that? Like okay, I literally. I think he might have do through what three interceptions the entire year or something like that. Yeah, and we understand the 49ers was a different team then. That defense that they had, which I don't want to get into because then I got to think about what the Saints did and how we could have. That's different. But the 49ers was a different team. The defense was outstanding. In my opinion, because I played receiver. They need another receiver bad because if it's not Devontae Adams, then who is it? Yeah. I can't even name. I mean, I know the names, but it's like, and I don't want to disrespect them by saying, you know, the average, but, you know, yeah, it's like if they would imagine that team with a Justin Jefferson, right? They could have traded up to get Justin Jefferson in the same way that they did. Oh, yeah. No, they probably would have been in the Super Bowl, but they're still so close. Like, why? Why can't it be fixed? Like, what? It, it, apparently it can't because both sides have dug in. And Rodgers does not seem like the kind of cat that's going to be like, okay, cool, I'll come. We'll figure it out. Like, I, yeah, I, no, he's not. I, I, in the, in the, and the thing is, Green Bay, if, if Aaron Rodgers, let's say he sits out the whole year, or he go host Jeopardy, or he retires, or he gets traded, whatever it might be, 
Green Bay might be drafted number one overall the following season. Like that's how following bad, season, that's how bad they can following be. five seasons. <laughs> five, the following five. But think seasons. about it though. Think about. Well, you don't know. Jordan Love playing. might end up being eventually good or whatever. But the shock of like suddenly just taking an MVP quarterback off of a team the year after he wins would just hurt any franchise. Okay, but especially a franchise that that would put. I feel like that put the whole team in disarray for a while. Okay, so let me ask you this. The years that Aaron Rodgers got hurt, how did that Green Bay team look? They were bad. Bad. They were bad. Why would you even play around with that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I don't understand how they're constructing this whole, like, I don't understand why you don't look at the team. Did you watch the NFC Championship game? Oh, against yeah. the, it's like nobody could get open. And it's also like, defensively, how are you giving up a big play at the end of the first half? It was just, it was... It was bad all the way around. Now, having said that, a real important question. When Aaron Rodgers gave you a ride, what did you guys talk about in the truck? Um, what cottage I came from and who had was he, my did, quarterback. Did and, he know about Terrence? Did he know about you well? Uh, he kind of had this face like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 he knew about you well. He knew about yeah, you. Like, oh, you say okay, Raging right. Cajuns, you know. I'll say this. You tell people Raging Cajuns now and. With what with what Napier's done and finishing ranked fifteenth last year, it they they they're making oh, some yeah. noise right now. See, the weird thing about him is, um, if if no one knows, there's a scout team, and then there's the starting offense. Mm-hmm. So normally, the backup quarterback does the scout team reps because you're basically doing you're emulating the opposite team's offense right. for the starting defense. Right. The weird thing about Aaron Rodgers that I thought was funny, he would run the scout team reps. And so so there's a card that the, you know, that the defensive coach is holding up. They hear the route concepts that their offense like to run. We're going to show our defense. Aaron Rodgers would look at the card and change, like, the play to something totally different. Like, I remember specifically I had, like, an out. He's like, no, 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 we're not outing up. I'm like. He just, uh, he just, he. Like, okay. He wants to control all of it. I guess, man. I was like, now okay. he's good like, at okay. it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even criticizing it. But like that doesn't surprise me. He's like, oh wait, what did the coach say? Okay, scratch that. Mike, yeah, I was like, Mike, Mike, no, mm-hmm. Mike, we're not doing what you want to do. We're doing this. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I can't tell you no. You know, I was like, okay, let me just run this all around. Right. Did it work? I, I mean, it was well. I I remember that play. They they switched out to a cover two, so my out and up was basically taken. But that's taken weird. Like you're trying to make the team, and so you don't want to do the opposite of what the coaches are telling you to do. And yet Aaron Rodgers is telling you to do something. Yeah, he's like, so nah, it sounds like this. he puts you in a bad. He's the reason you didn't make the pack. Nah, that's not the reason. I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. Nah, I wasn't. You know, I'm. I'm they should have signed you. Could have used you last year, man. I'll be honest. You still working honest. out, dude? You look that you don't look you don't look as trim as you did, but you look like I, I play tight more end. muscular. I can yeah, play tight you look like you're oh, yeah, going for special sure. teams and lace someone out for sure. But I, I didn't make the team because I got there too late. I Had I got there day one, I I hundred percent have no doubt in my mind. Why didn't they, they called you like two weeks into camp? Huh? Yeah, because I had kind of a crazy agent situation, and. How I know my agent wasn't doing his job because, like I told you before, I emailed Green Bay by self. That's wild. And when I, when I emailed Green Bay, they got in touch with, because, you know, Ringo was already up there, Harris was already up there, and um, 
they immediately called me and they was like, hey, man, they asking about you. So I'm like, oh, snap. My email actually went through. They looking at it. And then like two days later, I got the call. That's ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Mark and the Wilson or Champagne's Going the Extra Mile. James Butler, my old friend, former Rage Cajun wide receiver, Green Bay Packer, now a uh, state trooper in studio with me here, conversing about his uh, his time up in Wisconsin. So I remember talking to you and Boris and Yama, former Rage and Cajun receiver, then turned linebacker, and Boris was in Atlantis camp and mm-hmm. played a good bit in their preseason games. And uh, I remember his crazy story about working out at Reds and <laughs> Injuring himself but hiding the injury from the team. That was great. But I remember him, what stuck out to me was like, you guys as UDFAs, right, undrafted free agent, and not not the – don't take this the wrong way, James, but you weren't guys – you weren't expecting to possibly get drafted. Oh, yeah, you knew sure. it would be a UDFA draft. So I feel like there are two tiers of UDFAs. They're the ones that might get drafted in the mid to late rounds and don't, but – they know they've got something waiting for them, and their agent can actually get them a signing bonus of, you know, 40000 50000 whatever. And then you have a large pool of UDFAs like you guys where I just need a shot. Just give me a right. camp. And Boris was talking about how the agent in that situation, and, and, and I'm anxious to hear, you know, how, how yours unfolded. They basically just have a long list of players. Yeah. It, the communication is email. They're not on the phone constantly with teams. Hey, get – it's like they're taking a big pool of guys and they're hoping that of all the ones that get invited, a few make the team so that that way they can make a little bit of money. Right. It's that they're not really putting much emphasis into you guys. You're just a name on a list. What was right. that, that? That's what I took from his, right. his right. standpoint and how he was like, come on, man, you, you need to email the team. And Boris right. had to do a little work on his own and he ended up getting into right. camp. What was your experience like? Well, I, I'll say this. That's when I knew, well, I know now how important the whole agent game is from what I've experienced. And if my son is in the same position, I have learned enough about this whole ordeal to know and lead him in the right direction. Because let me tell you, I I thought your talent alone would be able to take you and, and, and you know get you a shot, but that agent is an integral part in getting you, you know, different deals and yeah. stuff like that. And I know that's kind of cliche to say, but when you're playing, you don't really know what their job. It, you know, you know that you know that their job is to represent you, but you don't know that they have to take these calls from the teams. The team may inquire about you to them. They have to sell you to them. So my experience was leading up to pro day. My agent was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be there, you know, to talk to some of the teams that, you know, are interested in you, you know, whatever. And then I think like the day before pro day, he was like, ah, and I'm not going to be there. Did you ever even, did you ever even meet him? No, I never met him face to face. Yeah, it was just, no. it was just like, they've got a long list of players and they're just hoping some of them stick. And <sighs> and, it's and not and the priority. And you're not, as, as that second tier UDFA, you guys aren't going to be getting, um, you know, a, an agent that is really known. So right. like they're, they're trying to make it, but it's not like the flip side is these organizations don't really know the agents either. Like they right. know, okay, you're just, you're just trying to, you're trying to hit, hit a, a meal ticket here with one of these guys. Right. And the weird thing about it, hope I'm not getting nobody in trouble by saying this, but do you know, and you probably don't remember, but there was a receiver named Leron Bird. He went to Miami and he went, I went to high school with him. 
He went to the University of Miami, and then he he didn't get drafted, but he was a free agent with the Cardinals. Okay. So because he went to my high school, um, at the end of my senior year, he called me. He was like, hey, man, look, I represent LaRon Bird. I got him these deals with the Cardinals, and then after that he went with the Browns. I'm good with these teams. I like for you know for me to represent you. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that's some for me. Like I'm familiar with the players that you represent. I'm good with that. So then my dad goes. He tries to look him up, and he can't find him. So he's like, you know, I don't want you to sign with this guy. I have a guy that I want you to sign with. So I said, okay, cool, fine, whatever. It don't matter. So I never met this guy face to face. It was a strictly phone call. I said, yeah, man, look, he had a bigger agency, but as far as me having a close relationship with him, yeah. I didn't. And the other guy who represented LaRon Bird, we, you know, we kind of had a relationship. I was, you know, talking to him frequently and stuff like that. And he seemed a little bit more invested. So fast forward to the pro day thing. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Day before pro day, he was like, I'm not coming. So I said, okay, cool, whatever. So I get to pro day. And I ran like a four four five the first time and a four five three the second time. So after Pro Day, the Ram Scout comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, you did a really good job. I say, Thank you, I appreciate it. They go back and tell my agent, Hey man, like it's a real good chance he might get drafted in the fifth or sixth round. I'm like, Wow, like that's all I need to hear. Basically, all he has to do now is just to sell me on these teams mm-hmm. because they see my performance at Pro Day, they have my film. The draft day comes, <laughs> and I didn't get not one phone call. And that was just a, like, that was a hurtful feeling. And I was like, man, what is going on? Like, the Ram Scout literally just said he can see, yeah, like, you know, like, fifth or sixth round. Yeah. And I don't get a call. Like, that's weird. So, oh, man, I don't know, man. You know, I'm looking at some Canadian teams. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I was just like, you know what, let me, Ian Thompson, you remember Ian Thompson? Uh-huh. Ian Thompson was like, hey, man, because, yeah, he was at Tampa Bay at this, at this exact time because I think he was there for a year. Practice squad, Right. Yeah. So he was like, hey, man, look, I got some emails from because, you know, Ian is a very technical guy. So he's like, look, I have the emails of the teams. If you want, give them a bio of yourself and sing your highlight tape off and do that. So I said, all right, cool. In the midst of that, I fired my agent. I was like, look, man, I'm. So you basically became your own agent. Basically, yeah. And you and and you got a you went and you got invited to Green Bay's camp. And yeah. Well, first it was the, the Bengals. First okay, was the Bengals. I didn't know that. So yeah. How did first that was happen? the Bengals. So I emailed all thirty-two teams, and the Bengals hit right away. It was like, oh man, come up! Like we like your tape, which was mind blowing to me because it was like, is I this all you had to do? Already. Yeah. You know what so I'm saying? Like, they invited you for a tryout or they? For a tryout. Okay. So I, I was at the tryout with Santonio Holmes, um, David Nelson, I think his name was, okay. and another guy who was just coming out of college with me. So we basically, I, we might have ran a 40, I don't remember, or we just ran some routes or whatever. And they chose the guy, he was a speedster guy, they chose him because they was like, Look, we we gonna use him for special teams, possibly you know a gunner or something like that. So I was like, okay, cool, fine, whatever. But the coach came. He was like, look, man, your routes were really good. You have really good body control. They were very transparent as to why they were picking the guy. Look, 
the body control, routes, hands, everything is awesome, man. We loved it. We just gonna pick this guy because he's faster and we can use him a little bit more special. Yeah, I teams. bet you appreciated that. I was like, you know, cool. Thing. You know, I appreciate now, it. Did, let me ask you this, James Butler, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. I, I love the behind the scenes stuff. Um, did 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 they pay for your travel? Oh yeah. And then they so basically they just give you a plane ticket, you stay in a hotel for a night, and then it's back home. Yep. Unless yep. they say, hey, we want you to stay. It's it's weird because you kind of have to pack everything because you don't know if you sure. you know you don't know if you. If you make it, then you're going to stay. So then you came back home. You're in what, Lafayette or New Orleans? Lafayette. I'm in Lafayette. So you're in Lafayette, and then camp starts. Was there a party that's like, man, it's just, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen, or you just kept sending out tape? I just kept, I stayed in shape, and thank God I did, because when I got to Green Bay, it was like, wow. Now they signed you. Yeah, they signed camp me. Roster. So, so um, I stayed in shape, still sending out emails. I was working out maybe sometimes twice a day, just trying to stay in shape. And that's when I emailed the Packers. And they called me, like, they called me, like, a day later. So it was like, yeah, man, are you in shape? I was like, yeah. I was like, okay. So then that's the next day. That's when Ringo and Harris was like, hey, man, like, look, they asking us about Chris you. Ringo, Alonzo, Harris. Yeah, yeah, so they were like, look, they asking us about, you know, about you. We told them all good things. They should be calling you up here soon. Maybe three days went by, and I got that phone call. I was working at. Traco in Youngsville, I walked off the job site because I was like, I said, listen, if I make it or not, I am not coming back over here. Like, <laughs> you this were is very it. open about it. I was it. like, listen, I'm not coming back. This is my last day. So I flew. So I got on a plane the next day, flew to Green Bay, and it was me. It was a tryout. It was me and another guy. It was me and another guy and a quarterback. And the guy that I was competing against was like 6'5", 230. So I'm already thinking like, surprisingly, like I wasn't like down about it. I literally told myself, okay, if he's going to be bigger than me, then I have to do everything else better. Mm -hmm. So they made us do cone drills. I literally made sure I got out, out of all my breaks faster. Um, the routes, I, I made sure that it was crisp. Everything, like I was like, look, if he's going to be bigger and possibly more athletic, then I have to be tech, like I have to be the most technical I could be because I'm going to give this I'm going to give this my shot. So after we finished all the drills, they made us wait in the room for like two hours. They called him out first and I, my heart was beating so fast. I was like, man, you know, I don't know. So then they called me out and the guy brought me to the elevator and he was like, so you ready to be a Green Bay Packer? I was like, oh. I was like, yes, you man. Stuck around. Yes, you I was like, yes, man. Backpack. Oh man, it was it was amazing. What's uh, James Butler? I guess the ESPN fourteen twenty. Well, I'm sure the other side of that is when the, you get called in and they say you didn't make it. What was that like? Um, like I said again, very transparent, and they told me exactly why. Um, I have to say though, that locker room. I don't know how it is now. But the locker room at that time was so inviting. Everybody was so nice. Like, it was like, I said, like, yeah, James, we know you, man. What's up? Like, you know, yeah, we yeah. know what college you went to, you know. And it, it was so, and you know, I played against Eddie Lacy for like four years in high school. So I, I knew him. Me and Ty Montgomery was like really cool, which is, is crazy to see him on the Saints now. But me and him was really close. And um, it they were so inviting and it was like, I felt at home. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, it, it wasn't hazing. It wasn't like, hey, 
carry my stuff into the locker room. It was really like a family atmosphere. So I get a couple practices under my belt, and I'm making shit. Like I'm like Scott. I'm like, listen, if they don't throw me the ball, I'm gonna make sure that I'm getting open, just so they can see on film. The the day before we play the Saints, so I'm already on ten because I'm like, listen, I know my family and my friends is gonna be watching this game. This is the last preseason game. I'm gonna make sure if I catch the ball, I'm going. I'm going to score. Take it don't. It, ma- it don't matter. I just wanna. I just wanna be seen. So the day before, no, maybe not the day before, maybe like two or three days before we play the Saints, Jared Abadari, I can't say his last name, Jared something, start with an A. He's the guy that they drafted in the fifth round the year before out of Wisconsin. So I guess he kind of felt he was hurt his rookie year. So this was his second year going into it. And like, Three days before. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm healthy. I'm back. So they kind of, okay, we'll wait and see. So he went out to practice. He looked good. <laughs> and then they brought me in. Oh. They was like, hey, man, look. It's like, look, we really, we really like you. And we really, you know, thinking about bringing you back for uh, on a practice squad. Like I said, very transparent. It was like, look, we signed this guy last year. He went to Wisconsin. The fans love him. We want to see him play, and we're paying him more. We want to see him play, and I was like, you know what? I, I appreciate you being a couple honest days with me. before the game. Yeah, yeah. Against the Saints yep. in the preseason. Yeah, that's a bummer, man. But I mean, I appreciate them, you know, being honest with me and you know telling me what it was, you know. So have you always kind of rooted for Green Bay secondary second uh, team since then, or not really? Not really. I don't really care to be honest. It was just business. Yeah, you see, I mean, you're able to separate work from hey that other team is that's my childhood growing up right. in New Orleans rooting for them so it's, it, right. it's a different feeling if Green Bay goes to the championship I don't really care it's yeah. not like I'm like oh yeah that's my team I'm like uh, cool it's Whatever. okay I, listen when you a diehard Saints fan you gotta think I've been a Saints fan since Jeff Blake was the quarterback okay so you know what I've been through over this over the course of this whole thing Stabler was the see so there you go come on now. So, <laughs> so because I've been a fan for that long, you can't just you can't get that out of you. Kenny Stabler you know? was uh, from Foley, where uh, old Justin Anderson was from yep. your old teammate. Yeah, was Justin doing these days? I was just with uh, Justin because um, Aaron Thibodeau got married. Okay, so we had the old the bachelor party. Together. Yeah, so we had the bachelor party in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow! So we was all together, and he's doing something with I think. Uh, medical sales yeah, in Alabama yeah, I, or something I, I like that. I see him around town every now. I haven't really seen yeah. anybody, you know, during the whole COVID thing. But, right. Uh, it was some fun teams, man. Y'all had some. Uh, the access to the team was a little different back then, and I was um, younger. I wouldn't say I was young, but younger. I don't know. Like I now, like I'll I'll make references when I'm interviewing a player, and they look at me like, "I okay, old man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you forty? <laughs> like what? What are you talking about?" Back then, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's that dude from the radio. He asked yeah. some fun questions. Let's go." Right. And I got to know some of you guys. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. All right. So, talking football. That's James Butler, former Rage Cajun wide receiver. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. Going to take a timeout. We'll come right back. Right after this. Okay. Welcome back into the show, everybody. I'm Scott Prather, James Butler, former Rage Cajun wide receiver. Visiting with me now, reminiscing about his uh, his time hanging out with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and 
the State Farm guy. Yep. Saints, how you feeling about your team? You got to get me started this morning, don't you? Come on. You got to get me started. Let me hear you? it. Listen, I'm pretty sure that my girlfriend is listening right now, and she knows that, like, when we lost the, the, in the playoff game, that I basically could have jumped off the balcony, okay? Because, listen, the Saints teams that we've had over the years have been Super Bowl ready. There's no denying that, okay? They've won the NFC South the last four years. <sighs> The only move that I do not agree with is the Janoris Jenkins move. Well, they that was they didn't want to do that. That was all because of the cap. They didn't want to do that. That's the only one that I'm kind well, of like. It's, I mean, it's crucial. They there's a giant there is a uh, there's a giant hole. There's a giant gap between Lattimore and whoever is the number two cornerback next year. I, that was not the case last season. Now I think Lattimore. At his peak, whenever he brings it, is mm-hmm. is better than um, Jenkins. But Jenkins, it's not a wide gap. Like right. Jenkins is his the gap between Jenkins and Patrick Robinson, whoever would be three or PJ Williams. That's pretty wide. Now you just you took out that that number two, and there's just there's just a giant gap there. I'm getting that, you depressed. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the only one that like I kind of all the other ones I understood, but that's the one I'm like, man, you have to find a way. Because, so who do we have? I know I seen that they they brought in or well, for a yeah, visit Drake Kirkpatrick. Yeah. I think he could be a good fit if they sign him, and um, you know, I. But it's still, I mean, he's an old he's an older veteran. Career started out kind of slow and first round pick, but it took him a couple years to really get going in Cincinnati. But when he did, he was good, really good in a cover four scheme. That's what the Saints run primarily. So it would certainly be an upgrade, but. Whatever you do there, it's not it's it's not going to be Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. And then what about linebacker? I mean, all you got is Demario Davis. Who are you going to play? I mean, what happened to uh, Braun? Uh, is he is he a pass he, rusher? He played, is he? Yeah, he played a couple snaps last year, and it was uh, okay. I mean, I think Quan Alexander might end up coming back once he recovers from surgery and everything. But even then, it's like if you bring him back. At any moment, he could get hurt, and and you know, if you bring him back, Anzalone's in Detroit. You've got, and I know that he got replaced last year by Quan when they traded for him, but Anzalone is still better than whatever they're trying to run out there right now as the linebacker next to Davis. You know, they love to run the five DBs all the time and have C.J. Gardner Johnson running around, you know, doing everything he can mm-hmm. and and running his mouth even more, but linebacker. I think, you know, obviously after Michael Thomas, receiver is a big question mark. I don't know about that. I'm not too sure about that. And here's why. I think y'all sleeping on Callaway, man. Oh, Mark West Callaway? I think y'all sleeping I like on what he show I like what he showed last year. I I, I I can't deny that, but I need to see a little bit more. I was hurt by letting Sanders go, but then I thought about it and I was like, wait, Callaway is good. Funny thing. But but you know, so you don't think the the I think these the are just these are I, I think these are the position groups where I think there's big questions. I think you have a look tight end. Everybody's getting all you know excited and aroused because Adam Troutman had this great play on a wheel route. It's like I need to see more. That guy was playing right. in Dayton two years ago, and while he showed flashes last year, you don't have Jared Cook or Josh Hill anymore. 
Mm-hmm. So now is Troutman going to do, he, there's no way he's going to be able to do all those things. I, I hope he works out, but it's like so many Saints fans are penciling him in and being like, oh, fantasy pick this and that. I'm like, based on what? Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys too. Okay. I'm not going to lie. But you, I am. You're, you're, but you, but you, you know, you, you were like a fan of the core. You're not, I yeah. would you do, I think you're an objective guy. Except when you're talking about the Saints and Pelicans. Is that fair to say? That's, that's fair. Okay. That's okay. fair. Um, <laughs> listen, what's the receiver name? And I don't want to get his name wrong that they're thinking about switching the tight end. Juwan Johnson? I think that'll be a good move. Yeah. I don't know, man. See, it's so he many questions. Good at receiver. But in, and then the biggest one, obviously, is quarterback. How are you feeling? <sighs> man. Um, I think it has to be. <clears throat> I think it has to be Jameis. Yeah, you got You got to have Jameis start, and Taysom can still do what he does. Don't be surprised if the first game come out there, and Ian Book is the starting quarterback. No, no, do no. not be surprised by that. that I'm I, serious. It's not gonna happen. I'm how much, serious, how much are you man. To bet? I'm not gonna bet okay, that, no, that. But that, I'm just that, saying, don't be surprised. I will be. I'll be shocked. It's not gonna happen. Don't be surprised. Because listen, happen. I've heard before not it came out. Not gonna I heard Sean Payton say his name before we ever even drafted this guy. So he's not starting week one, dude. He's not starting this year. He, he's not even. He's not even going to play this year unless somebody gets hurt. Don't be surprised, man. Don't be I'm surprised. Gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut that sound right there. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I'm advocating it for it to happen. I'm just saying, don't you be surprised. Think it could happen. It could. It's not gonna happen. Okay, but listen. Here's the thing. Jameis fits our system right now. There's a couple games last year watching Taysom where it's obvious that he struggles reading the defense. It's obvious, which is weird because he holds the ball too long, and it's weird because it's like, dude, you can run. I understand you may have trouble reading it, but if – His best throws were the ones where the first read was there. Yeah. Those were his best throws, but – and he can run, and he still will. Hey, look, it's it's going to be Taysom doing his little Swiss Army Knife stuff, which he's great at. Might be the best athlete on the team. And it's going to be Jameis starting under center or out of shotgun, whatever you want to say. That's how it's got to be. Right. Where, where is your confidence level in one Jameis Winston, who leads the NFL in turnovers by a lot since 2014, despite the fact that he wasn't even in the NFL yet in 2014 and was a backup last year? Wow, is that true? Yes. Lots of turnovers, James. Not just INTs. That's the thing. The fumbles, man. And Taysom was out there last year when he was starting fumbling the ball all over the place. So he has the most turnovers. Since 2014. Out of any quarterback. Out of any player. Any player. And he wasn't even in the league yet in 2014. Are you serious? And he didn't even play last year in the regular season, but for like a handful of snaps. And he's still leading? Mm-hmm. <sighs> look, facts, let's, facts. Let's, let's Now, look, I'm, I'm rooting for Jameis. Don't get me wrong. I But I'm, I'm not uh, – Look, I'm not one of these Saints fans that's like, oh, they're they're still contending this year. I don't you think, don't think gonna, so? I don't think they're going to suck. I don't think – some people think they're going to be awful and losing record. No, I I don't I, – I think I think they'll be above 500. I'll just say that. But I don't think they're – they're not contending this year. But, but, they lost a lot. But listen, okay, what was Teddy Bridgewater's problem before he came to the Saints? Well, I mean, his leg almost fell off. That's true, but before that. I don't know. You, I mean, game manager. I would say spreading the ball around too much. Too much of a game, like game manager, to the point that it was detrimental. At right, times. right. Um, 
but sometimes that's what you need. <laughs> that's not what you're going to get in Jameis. It's going to be fun. But I it's like that, be though. Wild. I like that. But Teddy, I'll say this. Jameis and Taysom Hill are not. They are like the opposite of Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, for sure. They're like they're swing. They're not. They're not trying to hit a single. They're just swinging for the fences every time. Okay, so what was the problem in sitting? And maybe you know a little bit more than me, but what was the problem with sitting Teddy Bridgewater down and saying, "Hey, listen, we just need one more year, Drew, and after we hand you the keys to the car, and you can lead us to what was the problem they, with I that?" I guess they just. I mean, I, I I asked the same question, but the truth is, at that point, I don't think. They, they didn't believe that he was the guy. And they certainly weren't about to pay him, you know, a three-year deal worth $60 million, which Carolina gave him. It's one thing to give him seven and a half mil for one year, and then it's another for a team to say, we want you to – it's easy to look back now that he's in Denver and it didn't work out in Carolina, but you go into an offseason where your stock might might be as high as it'll ever be because you went 5-0, and oh, things are looking up, and a team's like, hey, three-year deal, all this money – you're not going to turn it down at that point. But but they could have been like, look, we're going to sign you to a one-year one year deal. But I don't think they – I think they – Sean Payton loved Taysom Hill. So See, what was the plan? He, I think Sean Payton loved Taysom Hill. And then Jameis just kind of fell into their lap really late. Uh, but I'm telling you, man, I've, I've talked to individuals who are not like journalists but who's – who let's just say they they have a history in the NFL mm-hmm. that told me, I'm just telling you, Sean Payton, he loves that guy. This is Taysom Hill. Now this is before last year. This is this is 2019 when he and Teddy were both playing and Teddy was starting. And they're like, that's the guy they think is the future. Now I think when you saw him start for four games last year, even though they were three and one, two of them are against the bad Atlanta team where Taysom played okay. One was that Denver game, which was just. I mean, Denver's playing a backup practice squad wide receiver quarterback because of COVID-19 stuff. I wish they could And then the been. other was the game in Philly that the Saints lost. I think you saw a little bit of a glimpse, and they were like, okay, maybe this maybe this isn't the answer here, and um, maybe Jameis is. I don't know. I, But it, it goes back to we're talking about the most important position in sports, and the Saints are about to have a big – pressure's on Jameis, man. You never want to be the guy that replaces the legend. You'd love to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the legend. Because right. when you replace the legend, James could go out, he could throw 28 touchdowns, 15 picks, which would be a big dip for him, which would be a good stat line for him. 4,000 yards, a couple fumbles. You know, Some of those 15 or 16 picks are pick sixes, sixes, so people get upset. And it wouldn't be a bad stat line, all things considered. You win some games, you're in the playoffs, and I'm telling you, fans are going to be like, what is this? I, have, I, don't, gotta, I don't think so. you got to improve here because I'm telling you, man, folks have been so spoiled. Breeze, Breeze has spoiled us. I, I disagree. I disagree because I think the past two years, we've been looking at Breeze like, what is this? Like, it's time. and It hurts me to say, man, but I'm going to miss him like I told you earlier, but I think it was time. It was time. I don't disagree with you there, but – like that game in Tampa Bay this year, the Sunday night game that right. where he just went off and the Saints crushed him, and it was fun. even then he looked kind of he was he was accurate. He wasn't turning the ball over a ton. It just down the field stuff wasn't happening. The offense wasn't as explosive as right. it was in the past, and he missed a lot of games. I mean, he missed five games one year. He missed four the next. I think you just kind of saw it in snippets, but 
there was still like this idea, whether it was the facade or not, that Saints fans had of, well, we're always in every game as long as he's our quarterback. Right. And, and and even though the last two years haven't been great, and last year in particular was was by his standards not great, fans will remember Drew Brees more for where he was at his best than like the last season. Okay. You know what I mean? Like okay. that's okay. and now that's 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 gone. And so trying to replace that, it's like good. Good luck, Jameis. So basically, we're about to see how good of a coach Sean Payton really is. Because if he really turns Jameis around and minimizes the turnovers, then we're like, hey. Mm-hmm. Or if they really- just win. If they figure out a way to keep winning. Even if the – if it, yes and yes. So if Jameis plays great, then yes, Payton will get credit for that. But even if he plays so-so, but the Saints find a way to keep winning, I think – I think folks will credit Sean Payton for it. So first game against the Packers, right? Yeah, I think I think you should go ahead and bet on the Saints right now if you're into betting lines because the line is Saints maybe by two, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in that game. So Okay, so if you had to say at least for Green Bay. who the starting quarterback will be, if you had to guess right now, who you say? Jameis Winston. For, without a doubt. Oh, I don't know without a doubt. I mean, Sean Payton could <laughs> Pull. I thought it was Jameis last year, and then suddenly Taysom's running out there against yeah. Atlanta. I'm like, what? Don't be surprised. You see Ian Book running out there. No, no- <laughs> stop that. Stop that. That's James Butler, ESPN1420.com, former Raging Cajun football player um, and uh, Green Bay Packer, having fun here. Um, want to talk some, uh, some hoops with you a little bit. You want to stick around? Yes, sir. That's Let's James Butler. One more segment. He's uh, joining me here on The Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN1420.com. All right, welcome back into The Great Scott Show, The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. James Butler, our guest. You play any other sports in high school other than football? That's right. What was the in, – in what? In, in what? Four by four, open 400, and four by two. You still got that speed? Yeah, I do. You ever have to run down any perps? Nah, I don't. You know, I gotta, I gotta play that smarter. You know, I'm not play, it's a little different now. Yeah, when you're, I'm not. When you when you're chasing somebody in your line of work now, a state trooper. You've been a couple of years now. Four years. Yeah. You like it? I love it. I love it, man. It's cool. I bet you see some stuff. Though. Oh, for sure. If you ever pulled me over for going a few miles over on the interstate, you getting you a ticket you, for sure. You're getting a ticket. You would give me a ticket. Yep. Nah, I'm messing with you, man. I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, dude, you got you to gotta keep that. No, you're getting it. You're getting it. Oh, man. <laughs> License and registration. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, who are you? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't never know. did an interview. <laughs> James, it's me. I don't, I've never seen you in my life. I got out of a ticket once. So let me, let me ask you this before we talk hoops. When I get my driver's license renewed, which is never a fun process, but mm-hmm. I put on like a, a suit with like a tie and a shirt. I might not have on... I might be wearing shorts, but it's basically just from like, you know, it's for the picture. And I smile. And a guy, a, a boss of mine from summer camp years ago, again, he works at summer camp, but he's not wearing suits. Like I work in radio. I'm, usually if I'm wearing a suit, I'm either going to a wedding or a funeral. And that's right, it. Right. Or occasionally I'll have to go to like a really important business meeting, but that's like two or three times a year max. So usually I'm wearing t-shirts or in the summer, in the wintertime, a hoodie or whatever. Anyway, like, why are you wearing that in your suit? I'm like, look, if you get pulled over, when they look at when they're looking at that photo, that's going to be one of the first impressions they get. So I remember I was driving back from Austin, Texas, one time. I have a sister that lives there, 
before I had kids. My wife and I are driving back and it's late at night. Other side of Houston, probably going like eight, nine miles over. Not really paying close attention. And I get pulled over. I'm like, oh, man, god damn. This, come on. Sirens are up. And this, uh, this Asian-American Texas state trooper comes out. I think his name was Bill. Okay. And, uh, and he, had, he had a bit of an accent. And he was like, you know how fast you're going? I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I think I was a few miles over. So I'm just trying to like, I'm, not, I'm obviously not wearing a suit when he pulls me over. I'm right. wearing like a hoodie. And, and he starts, you know, asking me questions. I'm being as polite as possible. And I'm just praying like, please, just let me out of here, please. And then he looks at the picture and he's like, why are you wearing a suit? I'm like, um, just my line of work, you know, I was just, I dress, I usually dress nice, you know, I try to be professional and, and he's like, okay, what do you do? I was like, I work in radio. He's like, why do you need to wear a suit in radio? <laughs> wow. And I just kept rolling. I was like, you know, just, you have business meetings, sales meetings, you know, you just try to, try to live your best life. And he's like, and then he looked at me, he's like, I like that. I was like, all right. He's like, just slow down. All right. Just be wow. careful. Slow down. And he let me off. Now, maybe he would have let me off no matter what, but I feel like if he had, like, looked at my license and I was, like, mean mugging and, like, a wife beater, he right. probably would have been like, who's this, you bro? Like, <laughs> here's your ticket, man, and oh, yeah, you're going to pay it. So I is is there something to, like, if you look at someone's identification, do you have, like, an immediate reaction based on how they look in that photo? I'll be honest with you. I can't speak for everybody else, but I no. barely even, like, I, I don't look at it and be like, oh, this guy is I, I I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at the number. That's it. So I'm you, not so even you trying think to... I might be wasting my time with the suit idea. If it was me, yes. <laughs> you are. Well, if it was I, you, I, I know you, like, so I'm, I'm, good. Like, I'm good. I'll tell you getting a ticket. What you talking I about? I don't I don't speed anyway. What are you talking about? I hey, drive man. I am a safe driver. I have a guy out there right now who's at work right now who's ready to pull you over as soon as you leave out of this parking lot. They give you as many tickets as you want. I don't I nope. I'm, I'm messing I'm with a good you, driver. <laughs> I'm a good driver. ESPN1420.com. James Butler, our guest. All right. A couple years ago, you told me, Anthony Davis is leaving New Orleans. There's nothing we can do about it. Exactly. He said his girlfriend, I think, I don't think they're mad. I think it's still his girlfriend, but right. the mother of his child mm-hmm. went to school with her. I'm just telling you, talk to her. He's leaving. They sweep the Blazers. They're looking good. Next season starts. They're off to a good start, and then it just goes south, and then he drops the grenade. I want out, and then it just took everything. We all know what's happened since then. Yeah. I talked to Alfred Payton the following offseason, mm-hmm. asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, he did mention that something like that might happen before the season started. So he, even after sweeping Portland, the exit strategy was in place. Yeah. Do you, as someone that roots for the Pelicans, have animosity toward AD? Animosity might be too strong a word. From a fandom standpoint, do you see him on the Lakers and you're like, I'm not rooting for him? He's trying to get me in trouble right now. No, I'm just trying you know to. I'm I went to, to high I'm school. Get in trouble with who? And you know I went to high school. Yeah, and guess what? If, if her and AD were speeding, you'd pull him over and you'd give him a ticket. Oh, AD's going to take it for sure. 100%. <laughs> I don't care. Like, And I know I was joking with you, but I'm not joking about this All right. one. All right. You're getting a ticket. <laughs> like signed here and signed right oh, here. Yeah, on this he, here you go. Here you go, sir. Here you right. go, sir. Oh, by the way, I'm from New Orleans too. So here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Letting them have it. That's what I'm gonna say. By the way, I'm from New Orleans too. So here you go, sign your ticket. 
so he can know, oh, this is why, like, you know. But, yeah, I I, I definitely was upset. Um, I, that's why I respect Dame Lillard so much because he's willing to sit there and try to build with his team. And I was upset, not the fact that he left, because we understand New Orleans is a small market, but it was the way he did it that I, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. That's what a lot of people say, right? Yeah, and and it's like we understand that you want to go to a bigger market, but man, at least respect us in the process. Wait till you know? the end of the season, whenever. Yeah, man. You and can, this dude just you don't have to pick up your player option, and so you'd only have a year left. So they would have to trade you no matter what, which ended up is what happened, and he got traded in the off season. You're right. But Drew Holiday asked to be traded to a contender. Uh, last off season, and they granted him that wish, and he's in Milwaukee. And Pelicans fans don't have any animosity toward him. I'm actually sad about that because I like Drew. Yeah, but you're not mad at him, is my right? Yeah, I'm not right? mad. There's at him. like now you mentioned Dame Lillard. What if he leaves Portland this year? You're gonna lose respect. No, because like enough is enough. Okay, it's like did you see what he did against the Nuggets? Oh my God, did I? That Directly, one game where he was just like, it's like he that was the miss. best game of this postseason, by the oh, way. Oh, for that, sure. That, that double overtime sure. game was incredible. But did you see what happened after that? So he comes down the court, sweet pass to, I forgot the guy's name, misses the dunk. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, very next play, they go down, tries to throw the ball to C.J. McCullum. He steps out of bounds. And I said to myself, yeah, this this might be it. Because it's like he has no help. Like it's like man, I'm doing all this, and y'all sitting there giving me turnover at the turnover. The, they were in the conference finals two years ago, but he, um, there are going to be changes in Portland. I don't know if he's going to be gone. Some think he could end up with the Lakers. Would you be rooting against Dame then? I don't think they have the money to do that. You're right. They don't. They don't. But it's like a Lakers and Knicks thing to do, right? Let's just put their put our uniform on this player and share it all over social media. Oh, what about the Pelicans, man? We'll take <laughs> Yeah, yes, the Pelicans would. I just don't think that's going to happen. We got the we got the draft picks. They got a haul of them. We got the money. Got Zion. So what I mean, what's up, man? Just come down here. I mean, we we'll take you care of you. Got to win, man. You got to win. You got to be he wants to go somewhere and win. And oh. I don't, I, hopefully the Pelicans can do that, but right now let's not act like they've done it. Listen, we'll put we'll put Zoe at the one. Are you going to re-sign? No, first of all, if you if you bring Dame in with with that kind of money, you can't re-sign Lonzo. Why? It's too much money. You don't have the you don't have the space. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. We'll be like, look, you can't be giving Lonzo twenty million dollars. You can't. Do we're not going to give him twenty million. <laughs> you think he's going? You think he's going to want that? He's going to want somewhere between fifteen and twenty a year. And I just based on what? It, based on the market. All right, we'll buy it. Right, so then we'll take we'll take <laughs> <laughs> we'll take we'll take Damian. We'll have him at the one. We'll take Alexander at the two because I like the way he's been playing. We'll take um, B.I. B.I. at the three. We'll have Zion at the four and then Steven Adams at the five. Now, how can you how can you beat that, man? That's a contender. I would agree with that. You had Lillard to that, that they're going to win some games. All right. So, I mean, let's make it happen. Ah, oh, man. But if we can re-sign Zoe, it would be like, hey, man, listen. We can only give you like seven to eight, but you you want to win a championship, or you want to make some more, money. He'll get more in the mid level. He's he's going to get paid somewhere. So what you think they going to resign him or let him go? That's the biggest question of the off season, right? Um, it's it's tough, man. He has those moments where you're like, 
God, it seems like he could fit great with Zion. And there are other moments where you're like, that's just not his game, just sitting there and being a court spacer and shooting threes. It's it's weird because the Pelicans lacked. I think they were trying to search for a definitive identity offensively all year. And at the beginning of the season, it was kind of Ingram. Then it became Zion. Then it was point Zion. Then it was, what do you do with the bigs? Why why is Eric Bledsoe still playing? Scott, what is he doing out you, you, there? You're watering it down. Just, just say what's the exact problem, because I, I, you get at the point. What is the exact problem? Management, coaching, the coaching. Bledsoe. That's the main thing. We should not have hired this guy. Well, I, I think David Griffin and some of his decisions for what he wants the roster to look like, or I think he deserves more heat than Van Gundy at this point. Now, I wasn't, for the record, when they hired Van Gundy, I wasn't like, yes, perfect. I was kind of like, ah, let's. I think go, I thought go, go Kenny Agassiz was the guy. Yeah, no, I I would have been down with that. I, I think that was the because when you watch that playoff series when he was with Brooklyn and they played against the 76ers and the way they played their only superstar was basically what D'Angelo Russell and you know they had the other guys like Allen and I think you used the word superstar loosely. Sorry, but you know but what I mean? Like that's only, the only guy that they had. Only notable player. Okay, okay. and then they had Allen and, and right. So but the way they played and you know, every time something they celebrating on the on the bench, it was like you know he had those guys having fun, but he had them playing hard. So I'm thinking, hmm, we are looking for a new coach, which I don't necessarily agree with letting go of Gentry in the first place. But we can get into that. But I'm like, okay, bubble burst for him, man. Yeah, bubble but play. yeah, okay. But I was like, okay, so we're looking for a new coach. This guy had a group of young players that were successful. We have a group of young players that can be successful. Why don't we just take him mm-hmm. and just come on down and do that? But we go hire a coach who hasn't coached since how long, has an old state of mind. You know, I, I don't know, man. I just didn't agree with that. And now reports are coming out saying that they're tired of him and they don't really. B.I. and he didn't, didn't mesh. Now, this year was really weird because you didn't. David Griffin said things that were like, he's like, Whenever, whenever it was obvious that some of the younger players should have been playing, mm-hmm. obvious, right? Bledsoe's out there stinking it up, saying he's all, saying he's not too into it without actually using that phrase. Like, yeah, they talked about it in the huddle. I just kind of forgot or just lost track. Of wow, what I was supposed to do like when when Jackson Hayes, who it was good to see his development mm-hmm. later in the season, but early in the season, he's like. Let's let's get Bill let's get let's get Billy in there, right? Let's get um let's get let's get Nikhil some more minutes. Let's these other guys, Kyra Lewis, why isn't he playing a little bit? Anytime it was like and then he's like, Well, they need to earn it in practice. It's like, yeah, well, you just told us that based on the schedule, you only have nine practices the whole second half of the season. So how right. are they supposed to prove right. it in practice when you guys are barely meeting? Throw in the COVID stuff, throw in the fact that Reddick was not the veteran presence this season that they they thought that they wanted him to be obviously when they signed him to a two-year deal you know all season before this upcoming one it just I don't think they ever really had time to truly work on things or mesh as a team certainly in practice because they barely ever practiced right just based on the schedule and how jam-packed it was so I don't know man and then all the training camp was about defense and they all got worn out and then the season started and it was the like whoever wins the NBA title this year it's all about who can stay the most healthy because that's true you can say that's true every year but this year in particular a 72 game compressed schedule 
with COVID testing having to be done throughout the season. So even when they finally have an off day and they're exhausted, oh, you got to get up, you got to be at the facility at at 7 a.m. because you have to have a COVID test for the game tonight. So you never really are able to get away. Then when they were traveling, they weren't even allowed to, like, socialize. They had to just go to their hotel room. So it's like this long, arduous, almost like I'm sure you're battling, like, depression. You're away from your family. You're not socializing. You're barely able to practice. Oh, it's game night. Let's just go out there and try to play. That's not an excuse for for Van Gundy, by the way, because – there are eight teams left in the playoffs, and the Pelicans weren't even in the dance, and 20 teams got in. But this season is very much an oddity to me. I think next year when you finally get back to more of that normal schedule, assuming they're not going to have to test all the time, let's see what happens when you have normal practices, normal routine, and things like that. But it was uh, – no, last season, the expectations weren't even high for the Pels. It was like just, just getting a playing game. They couldn't okay. even do that. Okay, so I have two things that I want to bring up right now. James Butler, our guest, ESPN 1420. I'm Scott Prather. I want to ask you, what is the difference between the Pelicans and the Mavericks? What is the biggest difference? Well, first of all, wins and losses. Okay, no, but I'm, I'm saying like, let's say the season started, a new season starts tomorrow. I mean, I've for the record, I've always thought Rick Carlisle is a good coach. So it's coaching, right? I think, I think, I think there are a handful of coaches. I think a lot of coaches in the NBA are okay, but it's really like it, they're going to win or lose based on their roster. I think there are other coaches that can win more games than the talent on their roster, but there's only a few. There's not too many of those kinds of coaches. Right. I've always thought – I thought it was whack last week when people were suggesting he should be fired because they lost the series to the Clippers. I'm like – Why? That's Do crazy. Do you see who Lucas playing with? Exactly. They just win seven games against the team that has a lot more talent than them. Um, yeah, I think I think, I think, think you could argue that the Pels, at least at the – I mean – They have a better team. You could say the core, the future is a little bit – I think the ceiling's a little higher. They have a better team. Just go ahead and say it. Roster-wise, from, from top to bottom, they probably do. Now, I think Luke is still, at this moment in time, better than Zion. At this moment in time. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, if you looked at the entire roster of both teams, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think the Pel. Not that the Pels have, like, the best roster in the league or anything, but they probably have more overall exactly. talent than the Mavs. Exactly. It's. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I said, you can't sit up here and tell me that the Mavericks have a better core team than the Pelicans. You can't even say the same thing about the Suns. Better team. You could say a better team, better talent. No. Suns? I don't know. I don't know. The Suns got Oh, uh, really? Talent. So you're going to sit up here and say that uh, Jay Crowder is better than Brandon Ingram? I, I don't know that Jay Crowder is. I think Devin Booker is. Okay. I'll give you that. I think Chris Paul, even at 34, six years old it's or 35 i think it's amazing what he's been able to do i give you that and and that veteran experience of having been there uh i think crowder has a toughness that is undeniable like james johnson brought a toughness to the pelicans when they traded for him but he's not it's not like he's out there for like he's gonna make this amazing play he's basically just the tough guy crowder is the tough guy and he can make some plays you know i think i think phoenix has a good they got a good thing going man and and ayton He's not there yet, but you're starting to see moments of that guy could get better and better. I think Phoenix has a really good core. Shout out to Monty Williams, man. Love but, him. He should have been coach of the year. With respect to Thibodeau, it, it was it, Monty Williams should have been the coach of the now, year. Now, see, that is a sore subject to me. 
Because as you know, I thought we should have never fired him in the first now, place. No, I, I don't disagree with that either. Monty got but, more out of less than a lot of coaches, man. And he didn't. Look, he got there, wasn't hired by the GM that was there. Right. Owner sells the team. Team's owned by the league. Chris Paul wants out because I don't even know if this team's going to be here. Right. After one year, you've got, you're working with complete scrubs. Like he was, that guy's been dealt a lot. And then obviously in his personal life, has overcome right. a lot of tragedies, had some bad things happen to him in his childhood that he's able to overcome. Great man of faith. No, I'm, I don't, I don't like the Suns per se, but I find myself rooting for them this postseason. And it's, First and foremost, because of Monty Williams. Okay, yeah, and I agree with all of those things. But so you're saying the Suns, top to bottom, are better than the Pelicans? Right now, now I don't know that if you look into the future, because Chris Paul again is 35. But as of I would say this season and next season, absolutely. I don't know if I agree with that. Devin Booker. Well, okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. Well, well, I see what you're saying. So as of right now, yes. Now look, but we're not far away. If Chris Paul leaves. Chris Paul, and he might. He's going to opt out, and he's going to try to get one more gigantic payday. Well, come um, to us, man. We'll, we'll give you some money. Figure it out. Yeah, don't pay Zoe. If you need to if you need to overpay for Paul, just figure it out. Just yeah, we, we, we'll take it. Imagine man. if you had had Chris Paul this year in New Orleans. I don't even want I thought we had a chance. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah, you would have been paying a lot of money, but think about what he could have done for that young locker room. But I thought there was a chance that we, we might do that, though. Wasn't there a chance when the last offseason? But, 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 uh, but there, you know, they didn't – David Griffin didn't didn't want to bring in all that money. Okay, so you get rid of Zoe. What's the next move after that? So who do you shooting. start? Whatever it is, whatever you do this offseason, it's got it's just shooting, shooting, and shooting. That's what you need. So you, you surround on Zion with shooters. What are you depending on Nikhil Alexander? Uh, Nikhil will play more next year, but no, you need to sign. You, what it doesn't have to be a guy currently on your roster. You just need lots and lots of shooters. So who's available? I don't know. We'll find out. Playoffs. Let me ask you this. James Butler has been our guest. This has been fun. I'm glad you came in. Um, eight teams left. Okay. Who are you rooting for? No one. So you're, are you, but you're watching, right? I am watching. So, but you know what my heart is, man. Because every time can, I watch a game, I get mad. So you can't, you can't pull yourself to root for Monty? Nope. nope. After all he's you know what? I, you know what? You're right. Okay. You're right. You know what? You're right. <laughs> and the only reason why, because just recently – just to kind of remind myself, I watched that interview that he did in front of his house when he got fired. When uh, with Fletcher Mack. Yeah, yeah. Fl- I was like, Fletcher, what are you doing, man? But, but I watched that video because I was kind of in a nostalgic kind of, you know, I was like, man, this man really, it was the second seed. He really just beat the Lakers. So I, I just watched it. And I will say, I don't, even though I don't agree with the move, I am rooting for him. So yeah, I guess the Suns. But outside of that, are you watching the post? Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching it. But you're just casually observing. You're not getting into. Yeah, it. Yeah, Brooklyn is unstoppable. You man. just God, man. Like it's funny. They're like, hey, you can still have the big markets in the finals, New York and and L.A. I'm like, yeah, but it's the Clippers and the Nets. Like, right. it, you do have the big markets, but does do you do you know? Have you ever met a Brooklyn Nets fan in your entire life? Nope, have not. Like. The, the Nets could win the title, and the, the headline of the New York Post the next day will be about which one of them should join the Knicks the next year. Right. Like, that's... Right. That's, no, you're this, right. Like, if the, if, the, if the Nets win, like, the idea... 
I, there's some people that don't like the Nets because of the quote, you know, super team or whatever. Right. But I've never seen a super team that just has the kind of apathy that the Nets do. It's kind of like, ah, eh, yeah, but it's the Nets. Yeah. Like, whatever. I don't care. It's so weird. You know, it is. Like you see it the is. Knicks on TV when they were there, and all these celebrities one after yep. the other. They have on a Nets game. They just keep saying, "Oh, look at these celebrities!" And it was just like Michael Strahan and Osu Manura, who were cool. They used to play football, but they just kept showing them over and over and over. It's right. like those are the only two guys, right. and they probably oh, yeah, paid for, for sure. them to be there. Like, look, sure. look at this hot team. It's like people in Brooklyn don't even care about the Nets. They yeah. just, I, you know, maybe in Jersey they probably had, you know, smaller radius, but at least. Some fans that actually care, and they get to Brooklyn, it's like whatever, go next. Why did they take them from New Jersey uh, anyway? Money, whatever, moving facilities, all that. And I don't like, I don't like, I don't like their uniforms. I don't like the Clippers, like black and white unis. If they yeah. play another in the each other in the finals, you're just like, who's who? Where are the old school ones, man, or something? I don't. Know. Anyway, man, but what you think about Atlanta though, Trey? Uh, but first of all, I don't, I don't, never cared at all about the Hawks, like. Didn't like him, didn't hate him, like nothing. Right. Watching Trey Young in this postseason, I'm like, okay, I like that guy. I like this that guy. dude is on fire. I huh? like that guy. I like anyone that like loves to get crowd, like loves to just hear it from the crowd and then just go off. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know, it's and people are like, oh, he's the he's the bad guy, he's the heel. I'm like, no, he's the. The Knicks are the heel. He's the baby face. He's the good yeah, guy. Right, I, right. That's how I looked at that whole series. And I was like, he's fun. And, you know, he, he you get it again. Nate McMillan gets there and suddenly he's, Trey's not just trying to be Steph Curry. He's actually doing lots of things with his game and, and making things happen and penetrating and, and doing things off the dribble. And I, um, yeah, Trey Young's fun. But as far as the, the Hawks in general, like, I don't, I've never cared about the Hawks. I don't know. So they might beat uh, Philly, though. We'll see. James Butler has been our guest. All right, is there anything else? You, you've been you've been wanting to come on for a while. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. COVID happened, all that. I, I think the last time you were on the show, you called in. It was early stages of COVID. We were discussing the last dance. Oh, yeah. That was back when that's all we had sports-wise. Yeah, I know, man. But now, here, is there anything else you got to get off your chest before, before I let you go? Um, Let's see. So we covered all four topics. So I'm going to say something about each one. Number one. I probably should still be playing for the Packers. Okay. Quick side note, Sean Payton should have came got me when I was leaving out of college. Number two, um, Jameis Winston is going to be the NFL MVP this year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, all right. He's going to be NFL MVP this, this year. This coming from the guy that said, don't be surprised if he in But I'm just saying, man, like this is Sean Payton we talk about. Hey, you you admitted earlier that when it comes to the Saints and Pelicans, you're not objective at all. So okay, but okay, this is did you expect Taysom Hill to start before Jank? You just said you didn't expect that. Nope. So I'm just looking it off, basing it off of this. Like all right. Ian Book could possibly roll but out there. But you think Jameis Winston will be the MVP? MVP. Okay, what else you got, James? Number three. Um, I'm I, I never want to be an advocate for somebody losing their job, so we need to demote. Van Gundy to be an assistant coach and go get my boy Kenny Atkinson. Okay. Um, and number four, you will give AD a ticket if he is. Oh, for sure. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, and the Cajuns. Um, 
We will beat Texas the first game of the year, and we're going undefeated. Uh, why can't I'm, – I'm nervous about this, James. You've got a team that finished 15th in the country that has one of the sexier names in terms of college football coaches. He's had interviews. Auburn wanted him. We've been down that road. Right. Billy Napier. You've got a top 15 program out of the Sun Belt in your backyard, and I'm worried that not enough people are going to show up to Cajun Field this year. Good point. And let me ask you this. What was the difference? Because me and, I think Boris, me and Boris was talking about this the other day. Boris and yeah, I'm a former age occasion. Right. We was, what is the difference between when Hud was the coach and we were nine and four every year and Cajun Field was packed and this guy is like, well, we know last year was COVID, but, and this guy's like, it's like the fans. Winning more. Yeah. And it's like, records. we can't, like, the, it looks COVID, empty. COVID last year. But I, I I don't know. Like, there there are a couple things. I think college football around the country, attendance is down a little bit all over the country Okay. Um, prior to COVID. Um, the sport of college football has changed a little bit. Attendance has changed. TV. I mean, you could, you could point to a lot of factors. But my thing is, like, students are a big part of it. Okay. I mean, I didn't go to UL. Now, I had my wife did. A lot of my best friends did. What and college like, you went to? Uh, I went to Loyola. Loyola okay, University I was hoping you. I was hoping, praying to God, right, you didn't say so what I thought you was. I went say. to Loyola. Nothing wrong with that. No, that's a good school. school it's a very good school you're referencing. But I um, but like, put it this way, the team was really, really bad, awful when they were in school. Okay, they were at every game. It was something. It was like it was an event. Not, not only were they at all the home games, they were a lot. Like the student section was just. It was. Crazy. Were they engaging though? Like, was the coach and the team engaging I, with I the? Don't, with I this? don't. I can't. I can't speak for Coach Baldwin or you know Ricky Bustle's very first years, um, but you know they weren't doing what HUD did. But I don't. I don't even. HUD was very engaged, and I get it. And he went out, and it was. The team hadn't really won at all. I mean, they had one season above 500 under Ricky, and now it was, oh, my God, they won nine games. They went to this bowl. It's right here. You had never been to a bowl before. So it was all just sort of new and shiny right. and fun and different. And and here you are now. It's like this program is better with respect to you. No, oh, no, I agree. When you played on the team. I agree. This is as good as the program has ever been. And – you got. I just more people, and they could say, "Oh, well, some of the Saturday games, Thursday, like all it's going to be to me is." And I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope the attendance is amazing this year, and I think fans should get out and support the team um, that is, you know, again, I think going to be nationally ranked again. Yeah. Uh, this is something that ten years ago, when HUD took over. Let's go back to your first year with Ricky Bustle. Like, if someone had said, "Hey, James, you know." In the next decade, this team's going to be like 15th in the country. You would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, back, it doesn't seem yeah. strange now. Like, Napier said that standard in his staff that now you've built to it, you've gotten to this point, and it doesn't feel weird. Like, the fact that they finished 15th last year didn't feel weird. You go back 10 years ago and say, yeah, there'll be a top 15 team, you would have been like, what? Like, we hadn't been to a bowl game and since, like, you right. know, the st- right. and then 
New Orleans Bowl happened and all this stuff. I mean, I'm just rambling now. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I hope I'm wrong, man. I hope, I hope they show up, but I think, I, don't know. I think they will because, like you said, um, COVID last year. I think this year will be a different turnout. I hope. Like I said, I'll be there for sure, hundred percent. James Butler, hey man, we got, we got to get to now that now that they've opened it back up, we got to get to some. It'll be a Saints or a Pelicans game next year. Oh yeah, for took sure. my son to a Pels game this past year. You did a little different, socially distant stuff. Yeah. Oh, they played did Philly. They win? Oh, they did. Went to two games this past year. I went to the game against Charlotte, which they lost. How do we lose to Charlotte, man? But that's a different. Charlotte story, won more games than New Orleans this year. Uh, and then the Philly game, which they won, which Zion went off. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. My kid had a blast. That's what's up, man. Well, I'll be at the Cajun games with my son. So, looking forward to it. that. Is former Rage Cajun wide receiver James Butler. Don't speed. Be safe on the roads. Don't give him a reason to give you a ticket. Yeah, you know. Well, if you know me, say you know me. I might still give you a ticket, but it'll be nice. To... I heard you on the Great Scott Show. Yeah, you know, I'll be like, oh, you did. What do we talk about? Yeah, you know, and then we'll see. We'll see what you did, man. Like I said, it's under my discretion. So if I, it, you know, it depends on how I'm feeling. Hey, in all sincerity, I'm glad we got someone like you out there uh, serving the public and protecting us. I appreciate that. That's James Butler. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN1420 and .com.